Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. excited to try this birthday cake yeah i am too i don't know anything well i do know more about delta eight now Mm -hmm. than i did previously yeah excited to try i am excited to try it too i am writing about uh, a company that makes delta eight products and so yeah we got some gummies and a couple of vapes to try it's gonna be really fun. I think what I want to do is I want to try it before we record next episode. Oh. And when it kicks in, record. Okay. And do can, do you mind if I'm pretty Delta aided? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what that will be like for you. Aided, be, faded. It'll yeah. <laughs> it's probably gonna be pretty mellow. That's what I don't know. That's yeah. why I wanted to record on it and give a um. What's it called when you report? A report back. Yeah, but uh, but like as it's assessment? happening. Oh, uh, live Gonzo reporting and on the ground. Yeah, I want to be the Hunter S. Thompson of Delta Eight. <laughs> I took four hundred milligrams of Delta Eight and recorded a podcast. Are we the same? Yeah, I think you'll be fine. I think it's super chill. It's sourced from hemp. I mean, you know. Yeah, I know. It's not going to get you super fucking <laughs> twisted. <laughs> My, Mike, you he was are just like slightly slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, let's do it next week. I'll time it out so that right so that it kicks in as we go. Sweet. Okay. I can't wait. We, we can, um, and if it's bad, we just won't release it. <laughs> we can like pre-record. Or we'll put it behind a paywall. We'll be like, that's the one you have to pay to listen to. Uh, yeah. And you want to know about Delta 8? That'll be five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to Venmo us and we'll just email you the MP3. <laughs> It'll be like our weird kind of Patreon. That sounds like Oh, yeah, exhausting. the Weed and Grub Patreon. You have to Venmo them, and then they email you an MP3 file. What if we end up having <laughs> 400 Patreoners? We have to email each person a link? Yeah. Well, then I think we'd have or to sign up to... for like a MailChimp service or something. You oh, know? my God. Or, or we just start a Patreon. Well, let's do that. Let's do that. That sounds better than a BCC <laughs> to hundreds of thousands of people. Here's a 121 kilobyte MP3 file that you can't, that you have to go into your email to open. <laughs> Check spam. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably in your spam, guys. WG at weedandgrub.com. Did you get it? <laughs> Fucking worst business people. Hello, sharks. We are bad at this. And they're like, all right, go on. They're like, you know, there's a thing called Patreon that you, you could just use for that, that does all the stuff, right? We knew that that was an option. And instead, what we thought we would do was create a community in other people's spam folders all over the world. <laughs> we thought we knew better, as we do with most things. Yeah. We think we're special and cool, and we have all the good ideas. <laughs> That's so true. That is my family crest. Yeah. It's, it's like my arms crossed, your arms crossed, Archie's arms crossed, Bobo's arms crossed. And it just says, we thought we knew better than you. <laughs> What's your tartan look like? What's a tartan? You know the how... thing you cut open and sleep inside in Star Wars? Oh, no, that's a tauntaun. Oh. But good. Nicely done. I, a tartan is um, the plaid, like the Scottish pattern. You know, that's how they used to know which family you belonged to was by the, 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 the tartan that you would actually wear. Do you the know ki- this? The kilt? Yeah, well, I mean, it can be in a kilt, but it can also be like across, like they, they have sashes and they have badges and they have those hats with the pom-poms on them. Are you saying that each plaid is a designation of a family? Each, each tartan. Mm-hmm. And the tartan is the piece of clothing that you're wearing with plaid on it. It's the- <laughs> I'm so confused. Our friend Stuart. Oh, Stuart, are you listening? You have to like... I'm so sorry, please, Stuart. Please write in and let us know um, how, how badly we're getting this wrong. But my understanding is, so my grandmother was a Wallace, as like William Wallace from Braveheart, I think, you know, obviously I'm super related to Braveheart, but anyway, she was, Wallace was the family name and there was a Wallace Tartan, which is beautiful. It was like a dark blue with green and yellow through it. And that was the Wallace family Tartan that you, you knew if you had that, you were part of the Wallace clan. I see. So that would, yes, it would denote exactly like you would have a glazer pattern that would actually show that you were part of the glazer family. So a personal plaid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Fucking cool. Yeah. 
Damn, that's really neat. It is neat. Yeah, I like that. I have no idea how we got there. Sorry. Well, welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? <laughs> so good. Uh, if you're first, if the, if this is your first of joining us, this is a podcast about comedy, culture, cooking, calling shit out, cannabis, and plaids, pl- tartans, clans, clans. Yes. Nice. The good clans. The good clans. The family. The family clans. Yeah. Yes. Like the Ninja Turtles, not the foot. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like the idea of um, a personal color for me. Yeah. Or my family. What would yours be? Probably that hot pink. Ooh. Hot pink plaid tartan. It does look so good on you. I think I think that's my color of the season. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, hot pink tartan. <laughs> this is sweet. You know that you fucking sell out on Fairfax. That'd be some hypey shit. Yeah. If what? you designed like what? Hey, what's up, Tyler? Oh, you oh. listening? I love that. I love. I wonder if there is a wonderful Scottish artist mm-hmm. who would do a fashion collab with Supreme or Bape or Rip mm-hmm. and Dip, really anything, and do. I don't think that'd be appropriation, would it? If you did like custom tartans no. as a as a collab with somebody, I don't somebody? think so. I don't think so either. Sure I think that would time. be fucking red. You're rocking, you're rocking a tartan that you fuck with and cosign. Yeah, I mean, there have been tons of fashion designers who have used like Vivian Westwood, famously, if you know any of her work. Like the, the whole punk movement, like used a lot of tartans and plaids. Um, Alexander McQueen famously did some like fucking beautiful tartan stuff. So it's definitely like present in high fashion as well. Yeah. And it yeah. feels like based on who you're describing and kind of not their peak, but certainly when they came on the scene and had like the most new influence that they mm-hmm. had, this feels like it's going to come back around and we're a little bit early, but we're kind of right on time to see it happening right now. I love being early and right on time at the same time. I think that's the key, right? Yeah. You want to be early on time. You got to Donnie Darko that shit. <laughs> No doubt. Yeah. Um, speaking of. What? Well, you just made me think about how you told me you wanted to change your name. Oh, yes, I do. Maybe I should take Wallace as my last name. That would be pretty fucking rad. Mary Jane Wallace? Mary Jane Wallace. I was, I was, yeah. If I had been a boy, my first and middle names would have been Charles Wallace. I would be Charles Wallace Gibson. Very powerful name. That's a cool name, right? Yeah. I'm just bummed because everyone calls me Mary all the time and it makes me crazy. And I'm like, what do I do about it? And then I was like, well, maybe I just fucking change my name. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> to change my name because everyone calls me Mary? Instead of sticking up for yourself and saying, my name is Mary Jane or call me MJ, instead you're going to change <laughs> your legal name? It just, I don't know what to do. Like, I, What are you talking about? I do correct people and I say, it's you know, you can call me MJ or... Or, you know, it's Mary Jane. Like, I do try it. I even at one point put it in my fucking... Listen how whiny my fucking voice sounds. I put it in my Instagram bio. I actually just said, like, Mary Jane, don't call me Mary. Mm -hmm. And then a couple weeks later, I looked at it, and I was like, well, that's passive-aggressive and weird. I can't do that. So I don't know what to do. So I thought, maybe I'll just fucking change my name. Or start going by, like, like a moniker. I need a nickname. I mean, MJ is a really cool name. This really bothers me, Mary Jane. I'm going to be honest. It does? Yeah. I'm sorry. Because I think there's, like... It's not even about sticking up for yourself. It's such a like quick, easy fix in my mind that it bothers me that you it it bothers me that it hurts you because I don't want that to hurt you, but more so it <laughs> bothers me because the fix is for you to just correct them, but then you're worried that they're not going to like you or it's too much work or they should know it the first time. What's going on? There's a lot wrapped up in here. Okay? So, first off, it's my real name. And I'm really proud of my name because it, my I was named after my dad's aunt. Like, it's a family name, and I've always loved it. And my dad called me Mary Jane from when I was little. But then I was I went by one half when I was a kid. A lot of people just call me Jane. Yeah, uh, Allison calls you Jane. Allison calls me Jane. A lot of people who knew me, like, on the boat in Alaska, they all refer to me as Jane. So I do have a going by half of my name kind of history. So I should be fine with just going by Mary, but... I'm just not Mary. And it, so when it hits my ear, it just kind of, I don't know, it doesn't hurt me, but it just is like, ugh, it's just not my name. It would be like calling you Bob. You so know? It's what, like it's well, not my why, name. why, why won't you just correct people who are meeting you or sending us an email for the first time? And it's like, Hey, Mike and Mary, like, what is I it? Do, the- I do. I do. I'll sign it. When I respond, I'll say, thanks, Mary Jane or MJ, or I started spelling Mary Jane as one word when it's due. All that kind of stuff. And people just don't. I but you don't just... call it out. You just, I'm sorry, I'm like yelling at you. You're whining and I'm yelling. Well, as a but dude, like, you're used to asserting yourself and yelling about it. Yeah. And 
yeah. as, a, well, and because, as a woman, I'm used to being like, oh, I don't know what to do. Well, because you like the, the bottom signature saying Mary Jane isn't as effective as a top of the line sentence saying like, oh, actually, it's Mary actually, Jane. It's Mary Jane. Oh, Thank you so much. That's so rude. And it feels like hot coming It's out rude of the that gate. they're getting your fucking name wrong. <laughs> But they're technically not because they're saying they think they're Why saying are you right. It's not them. like they're calling me like, oh, it's Mary, another Mary, Mary Carrion. I just read one of her tweets today and she was like, I just feel such relief that I feel no pressure to respond to all of the PR emails I get addressed to someone named Emily. And I was like, oh, that's funny. You know, someone actually thinks her name is fucking Emily. That's straight up like you can correct that because they got it wrong. But for me, if someone calls me Mary, they're not technically wrong. They're just not getting her. I don't know what to do about it. So I figured I'm just going to change. I just want to go by um, Pickle. (laughs) (laughs) You just call me Pickle. Pickle Gibson or Pickle Wallace? Pickle Gibson. Pickle Gibson? I'll keep the Gibson part. That's a fucking awesome name. I would be honored to start calling you Pickle Gibson. Yes. Pickle and Archie? You know, Pickle Archie and Bobo go for a walk. Yeah. Doesn't that like... Pickle Gibson's a dope fucking name. If anyone out there has a suggestion for Mary Jane, would you be open to hearing some yes. corrective jests? Yes, unless it's, you know, rude, in which case don't tell me what that you feel like. I don't want you to be like, you should call yourself ass face. <laughs> no, Pickle's rad though. But yeah. yeah, if anyone has any suggestions for a tactful way to yeah. do it, great. Oh, yeah. Does anyone out there have a name that people fuck up all the time and how do you correct them? If so, I would love to hear some tips and tricks because like... I know there are people out there, like there's Mary Louise Kelly on NPR. I listen to all the time. I'm like, how do people, people must fuck that up all the time. They're they're not going to call her Mary Louise. That's such a long name to say. Sure. But I also think that she is so famous now that there is no misconception for her. Right. So like if you got to the, if you got to that level. Right. There would be no mistakes because you are Mary Jane Gibson. I, I mean, you know, from your lips to the universe's ears, that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. Like no one ever called, you know, um, I can't think of any famous people with two names now. Um, but like Marianne from Gilligan's Island, who's a character and not a real person. I understand, but no one calls her Mary. She's Marianne. Right. 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 Okay. In the meantime, pickle it is, which is also brings up something we were talking about because I wish that I wasn't Mike. But that's only because there's a million mics. And I think like you told me that one goddamn dog's name. And I was like, why don't, why do we give dogs all the dopest names when we have the power? Like everybody makes fun of Elon Musk or Kanye or Apple, all of these people who are naming their kids names that you would name your pets when unequivocally dog names are cooler than people names. Yeah, it's true. I was talking about Archie's friend, Kimbop. Kimbop. Kimbop the Pomeranian. Sign me the fuck up. If you're Pickle and I know a Kimbop, like that's the world I want to live in is where those are my real friends. And like one is named Ice Pick and another one is named um, Cumulus Clouds and another one is just, like, oh, that's what I want is like good names for people instead of John, Sally, yeah. Mark. I mean, I think your name is such a good, strong name, Mike Glazer. It's like so, you know, it's a good, strong name. Well, yes, Michael was the archangel, and it does mean divinity and um, godlike in Judaism. And if you do my numerology, it's 33133. So I'm with you, but I just... (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So you don't really want to change your name. You're just goading me into telling me how fucking cool your name actually is. I do think, though, that we give dogs all the good names when we should also give them for ourselves. Right. I do think that. And Pickle is a rad one. Pickle? Pickle Gibson? I think it's, yeah, DJ Pickle. I think, you know, it's fun. Yes. What would your DJ name, name be then? Um, I do like the last name Glazer. I think Donut is hack. DJ Mike Glazer? DJ Mike Glazer. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. Right? Yeah. That's what you were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, my oh. DJ name... I don't know what it would be. That'd be a fun one to explore, too. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, high wonderings. I'm trying to... Well, growing up, did I talk about how my name was Spike with the boys and Mike with the girls? Oh. So Spike but, could be a good one to throw to bring back around this time. Spike is cool. Yeah. And didn't you tell me that you really wanted your name to be... Um, Brian. Yeah. Brian. Such a cool name. I thought Brian was iconic. That's the name you want. Brian. Yeah. I wonder if you, did you know like a super cool Brian or? No, I knew a Nick and a Zach who were just like beautiful men. And I always was so self-conscious about my ears and wanting to be hot. So I think Brian fits in the category of a Nick and a Zach for me. And so that's where I grabbed it. 
That's so funny. It's also so like you grew up in the fucking 90s, man. Nick and Zach are such 90s names. They totally were. Yeah. And there was like a little undercut to their hair part down the middle. Yep. Just... All the dudes were named Nick and Zach. And what were the girls named? Uh, Amanda. Alicia, right? Alicia. A lot of Alicia's. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah with an H. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tiffany, huge oh, Tiffany's. one. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, it was that 90210 era. Yes. Shannon. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I had a lot of um, Nicole's and Amy's, and I had a lot of um, Mike's and and Mark's. And but the fucking cool thing in Newfoundland is they're amazing, crazy old world names like Silas. I dated a Silas, and there's like you know you'll find like Ebenezer and like really... that's cool. See, wouldn't yeah. it be cooler if like I like my ex's name was like uh, Eb- like. Ebenezer, I thought you were going like, to say Epstein. Like Kumquat Sally, or like you know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. I, I want to date a dog name person. You want to date a dog name person? Person, Kumquat Sally, Kumquat or like Kumquat Sally. Meet like, my girlfriend. I brought my, her over for Thanksgiving dinner. My yeah, my my mom, do- dad, Kumquat Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh-huh. Speaking of cum. Oh yeah. Um, I really love the idea uh, that we were having because we were talking about communication mm-hmm. and I was saying how you know sometimes when I'm having like I like I know that I have a stressful period coming up a stressful time like a certain you know day or anniversary that I'm like I know that day is just gonna be kind of hard for me and I let you know about it and you were like that's great I really appreciate your pre-cum oh yeah <laughs> it, I did and I really sincerely did like uh, my pre-communication right to you, you that's saying like I'm gonna possibly have a hard day on this day and i'm just warning you in advance it was so mature and important i really appreciate you doing that for us i really appreciate the pre-cum too yeah it was great pre-cum because awesome because then you know i'm locked and loaded if you shoot all over my face that day Mm -hmm. i know where it's coming from and why it's happening Uh uh-huh so healthy so healthy yeah pre-cum yeah leading up to a big cum explosion mm-hmm. very healthy yeah and you know what if the communication happens real quick and explodes yep and then i can then we can both get over that yep that's and, okay too and that's okay too it doesn't have to be pre-cum you don't always need foreplay to get get your rocks off but you know sometimes yeah. taking it slow and getting there with a lot of Pre-cum is uh, the way to go. It is. And for you to say, hey, here's the day yep. that I'm going to come real hard. Yeah. And here's why. Yep. So let's just like be ready for that. I like kind of like. Really appreciate it. Reimagining the day where I'm like, actually, I'm probably just going to have some kind of emotional meltdown as being the day where I'm like, this is the day that I'm going to come real hard. Like an emotional cum explosion. Yes. Of tears. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Healthy. This is all very healthy. It really is, especially because, like, as I'm um, growing more into the person I want to be through therapy and talking with you and, like, having a really honest relationship with you, the idea of teeing people up for expectations Mm. is such a new thing when I've spent my whole life. You bottle it all up. You don't say anything bad because you don't want people to not like you and you need to make sure that everyone thinks everything is okay all the time. And then you explode on a person who had nothing to do with it out of nowhere and blindside them and then apologize for it. And then you do that again two months later. Yeah. Feelings feelings bukkake. No good. (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like it. <laughs> That's a, a terrible surprise. Oh I would way rather you have <laughs> pre communication <laughs> and then just a day of communication, and you can leave the feelings bukkake out of it. Thank you. That's so healthy. So healthy. Yeah, that's a good um, communication life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man, that's so brilliant. You're brilliant. Oh, geez, thanks. Because I said bukkake? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> word that's and and thank word and thank you, word and thank you, man. Like th- there there are definitely times where I am very aware um, that I I'm just like approaching certain certain like in any given year, there are certain dates that I know that I'm gonna have to mark and take a day just for myself, and um, I'm really glad to have the kind of relationship with you where I can be like, hey. You know, leading up to this, I'm just going to be open. I might be totally fine, but I also just might be a little bit of a, a mess. And I, I want to let you know. And it's really cool to be able to say that kind of stuff to you because I feel like you, you receive it in a way where it's not like you like, 
you know, put on a raincoat and hood and stand in the corner with an umbrella looking out for my feelings, Bukake, you're like, word, I'm here for it. Yeah. And I'll hand you a tissue anytime. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) To wipe away my... Yeah, I get it. Uh, you know uh-huh. what I mean? I think we played out that fucking metaphor pretty well. I think that was the last one for me. I kind of had that one locked and loaded, and I was like, we'll see if it fits down the road, but I got nothing else after that. <laughs> is it time for the news? <laughs> oh, yeah, we should get to the news. <laughs> Which is a fantastic fucking story this week. Grubly Gazette. Okay, so this just came out today. President Biden... Which is nice to say. Very good. The first time on the podcast that we've said that. So Joe Biden rolled out uh, a slate of executive actions today, following up on the 17, I think, that he signed on his first day in office, to address racial equity in a move to fulfill a key campaign promise that he made um, last summer. He said that today's actions are a direct response to the groundswell of protests that emerged following the murder of George Floyd. And one of the huge parts of these executive actions is that he directed the Department of Justice to not renew contracts with private prison operators and signed a presidential memorandum acknowledging the role the federal government has per, uh, has played in discriminatory housing policy. Wow. So can I repeat back what you just said that I think I heard? Yes. He signed an executive action that will possibly hopefully start taking down the milit- the prison industrial complex and called out the federal government and took responsibility for all of the terrible imprisonment and the racial discrimination that has kept people in prison for years that other people are profiting off of and moving forward releasing people i would hope would be the next thing well yeah hopefully in this move this will mean that private prisons will come to an end i mean it's fucking amazing that the doj is not going to renew contracts with those private prisons under this new executive order and hopefully that will mean that anyone who's in prison for a nonviolent cannabis offense in any of those fucking prisons doesn't get transferred anywhere that they are released and their records are expunged and it's just, yeah, a great story. That was uh, reported, the, I was quoting from the article in Politico. Um, great reporting from Politico in general on cannabis right now from yeah. our friend Mona Zhang, actually, and um, Natalie Pertig, who's also a great follow on Twitter. Very it's cool. So I wonder story. what that'll mean for federal legalization with cannabis, because I know like Corvain just got released. Shout out 40 Ton. Shout out Corvain Cooper. Yes. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of pardons that Trump did before he dipped. And it also makes me think about how it's not who you were, it's who you are today, mm-hmm. which makes me... Um, not forgiving of people like Biden and what his past choices were, Mm -hmm. but putting your money where your mouth is out of the gate and being like, this is what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it right now. That's all I can fucking ask for. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at what he is doing, he is putting things, he is enacting things that are, yes, for change and forward thinking and progressive. And to the point of like being able to change, I have been doing this meditation thing I know I've talked about it before the 10% happier meditation I just finished the meditation challenge and one of the things that they really impress on you over and over and over again is that every moment is a new beginning truly like if you hang on to the things that have hurt you the mistakes that you've made the things that you've done in in a way that won't allow you to move forward then you can't move forward so if you just take every moment as an opportunity to start again start now and if you need to return to starting now again and over and over and over, that's the work. That's it. That is like, the work. Just do better or do do what you can or do whatever it is. Do differently starting now. Yeah. And you know, if you hold on to those things, mm-hmm. that's blue balls. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Know what I mean? Yep. I had one more. I'm so glad you have one more. You know, there's no real female equivalent for blue balls. I mean, there is a female equivalent feeling. I was of like gonna. That's what I was almost getting there and not getting off. Right. But there, I don't believe there's a turn of phrase that is um, the female equivalent for blue balls. Do you feel comfortable coming up with a nickname right now for it? Um, I don't know. Squat, 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 twat. Clinch clit? I got a squat twat. Squat twat. Squat twat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There you go. I'm going for it. I'm leaning into it. Damn right. Yeah. Yeah. This is the year that we have a female equivalent to blue balls. Yep. Pickle Gibson says it's a squat twat. You hear me? That's my name and that's what it is. (laughs) You're fucking so cool. Oh, this is just the best part of my week. You're rad. I fucking love doing this with you so much. Do you want to get to our buds of the week, speaking of the uh, people that we like and love? Is it time to get to our buds of the week in our VIB? Yeah, our VIB, Chef Amanda. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Okay, you want to go first or second? Well, I got to pull it up on my phone, even though I already know 
it by heart because I like her so much. Um, so it's up to you. Okay, I'll go first. My butt of the week is Earth Man. Uh, follow Earth at Edited by You. Just like it sounds, edited by the letter U. Urse is an incredible video creator, and we just worked together on creating a piece for Scapegoat Carnival, which is a theater company in Montreal run by my friend Allison. And uh, Scapegoat has commissioned seven artists to make uh, visual uh, responses to the pandemic and in the form of sort of short theater pieces that are prophecies. And Urse uh, just vi- was the director of photography and the editor for the piece that I'm making, which is called Primordial Prophecy, which we filmed here at your place with fucking green screen. And it's going to be so fucking cool. Or it's just insanely talented and amazing and a great follow at edited by you. Saw the rough cut. So sick. Yeah. So sick. It's going to be so trippy and cool. I'm really excited about it. So are you yeah. allowed to share it when it drops? Yeah, it, it, it launches on February 15th on the Scapegoat Carnival website, and you can follow them on IG at Scapegoat Carnival, and um, we'll all be watching it live together on February 15th, and then you can go and check out all the prophecies anytime thereafter. Shout out, Earth! Yeah! Good hang. My butt of the week is Lauren Hurt, who you can find at Lauren Hurt Photo. We just did a huge photo shoot for a lot of things that we have coming up um, safely with yep. Lauren mm-hmm. and also Lauren shot Fortune Feimster's wedding and there's this incredible picture in People magazine of waves crashing against uh, Fortune and I'm sorry that I don't know Fortune's bride's name mm-hmm. so but the photo by Lauren of course captures the magic of that exact right moment because they're just the best in the biz so if you are looking for a photographer maybe you got headshots maybe you were like oh wait did they shoot Charlie Sheen and Super Troopers. Tom Segura. Tom Segura. And uh, fucking, yeah, a bunch of other amazing people and fucking a bunch of cool shit that we all worked on together that we can slather our IG in when they drop. <laughs> we can just slather our IG with those photos. They're let's, so sexy. Let's slather our IG in Urse and Lauren. Okay. Cool. I like it. Yeah, they're good buds. So follow Lauren Hurt at Lauren Hurt Photo on IG. Nice. Yeah. And our VIB, our very important bud, Chef Amanda, is a great hang, a talented chef, and a beautiful human being who pulls no punches, but is also very kind. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Chef Amanda hung out with us to tell us all about um, her work in the fucking space as an amazing chef and what she's doing to decolonize the industry, the food industry, and the course that she's going to be offering we'll have that in the show notes as well i'm so excited because i think we're going to take it yeah we are going to take it go to the show description and click that link because it's going to be over zoom so anyone anyone can sign up and we are yeah yeah also i want to shout out to um if you are like where have i heard this voice before it might be from netflix because um chef amanda was robbed (laughs) on on cooking on cooking on high with calice Uh uh-huh spoiler alert but you were fucking robbed chef amanda she was the best there yeah yep so anyway, should we get to it <laughs> yes. before I keep talking about our conversation instead of going to our fucking conversation? Yes. I'm terrible at pre-cum. Oh, well, let's get to the cum then. <laughs> <Here's> <laughs> Without our... further ado, here's our interview with... Chef Amanda. I know you're killing it in the, in the cannabis and, and chef game. What what is that like? Like, what has that transition been like since 2016 and arriving here to to now? What have you seen? You know, it's actually really funny. So, you know, in the beginning, everybody was just giving away weed. Like, <laughs> you just go to an event and people were just giving away weed. Like, it was honestly a beautiful, beautiful time. I had um, reached out to Andrea Drummer before I got here. So... I wanted to, I knew I wanted to work with her because I'd seen her on on this Pop Sugar video and like, you know, no one's ever heard of a black weed chef. Oh my God. You know, so of course their first instinct is you guys are like the same person. We're literally nothing alike. It's hilarious. Um, but because of these crafted images we have, you know, because we're both black, we both have um, Southern roots and we both cook with weed. We are apparently the same person. So, you know, what else? I don't give a shit. I just want to learn how to do this. Moving to California made everything so much easier. It's funny because we, a lot of times the chefs, I think, overcomplicate how to cook with weed. 
and it's just overcomplicated because of illegalities and all of these other things. But moving to California, you know, you can choose any strain. You can smell it before you buy it. You can get a gram of anything you want. I can literally leave with 10 grams, one each of a different strain. So like I literally used to do that the whole first year I lived in Long Beach. Like I would go to this uh, one dispensary every other week and I would get 10 grams of 10 different strains. I would get 10 grams of one uh, gram of each different strain and I would just try them and I would smoke, smell, take notes, like look at color, all that kind of stuff. I just kept learning about weed. And so I really worked at building my personal chef business because to me that's, that is where the bread and butter is. It's never necessarily been in cannabis on my end. So, you know, it, it's like a dinner party here, a dinner party there, but you know, I gotta live on a regular. So I just kind of didn't see um, the cannabis industry as like a viable source of income at the time either. And mostly too, because you know, everybody would have these events, but they're always looking for people to volunteer services or, you know, they want to have you as featured chef, but you're not being paid like a featured mm -hmm. chef. Like those events never really transpired the way like my event, my other events go with YouTube or um, HBO and shit like that. Like those events, I get paid, my staff gets paid. The cannabis events, like we're not even talking the same level of money half the time. And like, then they look at me crazy and I'm like, yo, I, I'm a chef for a living. I don't know what the fuck you do with cannabis, but like I'm a chef for a living. And this is what the rate is. I don't know how to tell you about that. Yeah. So like, I just kind of dipped out of cannabis. Like, I mean, I smoke weed. I will cook with weed if you book me for that, cool. But as far as like working with the cannabis industry, I really kind of didn't understand it. And like, you know, high times would have parties and things like that. And like, I'll go, like I went to the first one of weed party, which was really cool because it was in that warehouse. And it's like, it was lit, it's amazing. It's like, oh my God, weed everywhere. And then the next time they did an event, you know, it became this very, very exclusive thing. And it was in a small house. Only certain people were getting swag bags who they knew had like a certain amount of followers. And I was just like, all right, it's not to be funny, but like, I have a real client list. I'm not doing this with y'all. Like, why did you bring me all the way out to fucking Venice from Long Beach for some bullshit? <laughs> I was so pissed. Like, why the fuck am I here? They had us outside, I think, like, half the time. It's like, why? Like, you, you just want it to look like a crowd. They did that club shit. So I was just like, nah, this I'm not, I'm not doing this with the cannabis industry anymore. So, like, I kind of tagged out of it all together until I get this call from Brooksy. Uh, Brooksy Hustle, he runs Cannabis Chefs Union. He calls me and he's just like, no, 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 let me tell you about it. And he told me about it. And, and as I talked to Brooksy, I liked Brooksy. So I was like, okay, fine, let's do this. I said, just tell me what you need from me. And literally he's just like, just keep doing what you're doing, keep pushing. As I get opportunities that sound like they're for you, I'll send them, let me be a filter. And I said, cool, I like that. And the opportunities I started getting I now had a male presence filtering them for me. And little, you know, and funny enough, people kind of discredit what that means, but we do live in a patriarchal society. And the reality is a man's weight just carries more words than ours do, especially in negotiation. So if someone's saying, hey, she's beyond that or she's better than that, it's arrogant when I say it, but when he says it, it's fact. And then um, I guess the production company that was working with Netflix for Cooked with Cannabis was also... Uh, in contact with Brooksy. And so that's how my name got put in for that. What was it, Cooked with Cannabis? Yeah, that was Cooked with on, Cannabis. On there and on your website, I think of you as a leader for like the private chef industry. I'm not super familiar with private chef because I show up at a party, have a great time, like geek out on the food because it's the most, it's why I'm there is to taste delicious shit and I'd rather hang out in the kitchen and watch them work. But the private chef industry itself, I don't know how it works. Wow, thank you for noticing. <laughs> Man, yo, I've been working on that fucking website for six years. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> I maintain, like, you know, your website, social media, all that stuff, it's like in contracts. They're always constantly evolving. So, like, I'm always, like, working on these things and trying to improve them. And the sustainability of people really is the most important part of this for me because that was the entire reason I got the fuck out of the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. Not to come out and then treat myself this way and also treat other people this way and have guests think it's okay to treat us this way. Like one of the, one of my major things, like 
I do not, I don't have room for gratuity on my invoices. I charge you enough where my servers automatically get gratuity because they work for me, not you. You'll never dangle a carrot at the folks who work with me. Like, I don't like that. This is my show. And this, and if we're working together on a dinner party, you know, it's a collaboration now with us. So like, you know, there's, you, you bring me in to do very specific things. And I think that amongst the personal and private chef industry, a lot of what we do is really bringing the restaurant experience into the home and customizing that in a way where it, it is it is a useful tool to people's lives like especially in this industry we make so much money because of the people that we're able to work for and the reality is you know the people who are able to pay me basically they can pay me what they pay me because they make more money doing what they do than doing things like cooking or doing things like setting the table although they do value having time with their family like the reality is like they also lead a lifestyle in which this this costs a certain amount of money. And so, you know, optimizing time is really what it's about. So, you know, one of the major things for me, especially with the personal and private chef business is people because it's all personal. Like you work in their home outside of your bedroom, in your bathroom. Typically, the most personal conversations you have are in the kitchen. So like I end up privy to a lot of information and passerby thoughts, you know, you'd be surprised like how intimate that relationship becomes. So it's also a lot about trust and that you're not going to be, you know, every time you're sitting around here using something against them or they or making them also feel embarrassed for being human. Like, you know, when you're when you're in spaces every day, you forget people are not always at their best. They're not always cheerful. Like you there's a certain level of responsibility, I think, to being a neutral, a neutralizing force in the home. Mm -hmm. Like that that is where our job comes in. And when things are bad, you know, at that point I'm more than neutralization. I'm now transmutation. Like, you know, worst case scenario, sure the kids could have had a terrible day, but they do know that when they sit down at that table, there's something warm that was made very much for them and their parents will also be there. And if I can facilitate that, you know, that that is the coolest part of this job. That is such an incredible role to play as the sort of like stabilizing influence coming into someone's home and showing up with the what you're providing, which is such a fundamental piece of a happy life. Establishing some sort of, sort of like safe boundary where you're saying to them, like, I'm here, but I'm also at work. That must be an interesting mm -hmm. sort of balancing act. It's cool. You know, it is one of those things where you know, it's a lot of people just don't understand reach people. They like find my job so odd and it's actually not. It is, it is for people who sometimes their lives are just very, very big. And, you know, I always find it very interesting. The people who have the biggest lives, especially those people who still very much like push family first like they typically do not refer to the chef or the housekeeper or the nanny as staff they usually call us care team like this is our care team because we're really we're really here to balance like you know it's a big these people live in big ass homes and that can feel very empty but also it's a lot to take care of it is a lot to do and while to some it may be excessive this is just kind of what it is for these people so you just deal like you can be, you know, I always find it interesting, like the attitudes towards the wealthy because it, life just isn't fair. I don't have another answer beyond that. And, you know, I, I found that part of what makes this easier, I think, especially, and I see this a lot in this, in this particular sector of the industry, you know, it's very easy for us to be in these spaces, see what these people do and then compare ourselves or also feel like, well, I deserve more. I should have this and I should have that. And, you know, I, I see, and you can see it all the time. Dude, we're in Hollywood. Like you see this with personal assistants. You see it happen with like when people like kind of work together and then break off and one makes it like super large. It's there, there becomes like, there can, there can be a level of jealousy and envy. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I notice a lot in this particular industry because it's like, well, no, honey, you're not going to make the same amount of money that your client makes. Like rule number one of this whole game is you'll never, you'll never out earn your client base, which is why I always shoot for a very high client base. I know what I would like to make per year and you know that and from food itself, like my rate literally is hilarious. I feel like as far as my hands are concerned, 
they should earn about a hundred thousand a year my hands this has nothing to do with my personality this has nothing to do with recipe writing development all that other shit i do just my hands so my rate for cooking literally never changes it has i do not care how rich you are how poor you are literally my rate never changes unless we're friends and family and you get the discount mm-hmm. that's amazing so finding a level of stability and you cannot be a stabilizing force if you are not also very stable and stable in who you are because you know money capitalism society it really does change us and and make us look at people with less humanity and it can be very easy to slide there and and that's one of the spaces i've been very careful about not sliding into just being stable in what i want and what i'm doing so i can provide this this very specific service and then being very honest about that service it it is probably the best thing i have done because i don't attract people who who are not into that. If they're if they don't need a stabilizing force, they're probably not gonna call me. When did you start cooking? I don't remember a time where I haven't been in a kitchen with either my grandma or Miss Patsy or Miss Brenda or Keisha. This has always been a thing. Like cause being down south, like that that's kinda like I, I weirdly enough, I didn't think I grew up so old school, but apparently I did. Um where we were I still have recipes passed to me. Like I was still have, you know, I cooked with the elders when she cooked for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, you know, you, I was in charge of helping and at a certain age I have to bring a dish. Like, you know, like when you live on your own, like you now have to bring something. So, you know, and also it's just not that special in a sea of cooks. Like it's not to be funny, but if you want to find a pretty black girl that can cook, like I can go down south, throw a rock, and close my eyes. I promise you, we'll hit. It. <laughs> was that mostly traditional cooking, or were you experimenting in the kitchen? Like, was it? Um, Keisha, my babysitter, because she was younger, um, she liked to experiment. Because this is like kind of you know, Food Network wasn't nearly as cool then, so it's like we were still watching Julia Childs mm-hmm. and um, Paul Verdon mm-hmm. on PBS. Like we we lived on PBS, and we also lived for Emerald. So like, if we were trying new things, it was from it was from one of those three. And so, like, one of our big experiences, like, we're going to make pasta. Because her mom bought the, um, her mom always had a KitchenAid mixer, but she bought the pasta attachment for us. And we were like, really? Okay, cool. We're going to make pasta. So, like, we got together. We're making pasta. We make our scratch-made Alfredo sauce. We're over here shredding the Parmesan. We're like, yes, okay, we're really doing some big shit here. (laughs) And then we did a whole um, side of salmon. And, like, we made dinner for everyone wow so you know it was like this thing so there there are so many moments where cooking just wasn't it's so interesting how special it seems to be now but this was something very normal like my best friend in high school we cooked together all the time it was nothing for us to like go to her house before school and make biscuits before we had to go it's like well why don't we have a nice breakfast yeah we should have a nice breakfast like it was nothing for us to be late to school because we decided to have a nice breakfast and sit down at the table priorities so can can we talk a little bit about cooked with cannabis i want to know how it was for you to be on camera doing what you've been doing for so long it was very interesting like Mm -hmm. tv is a funny funny place you know TV comes with just very real implicit bias. And, you know, we don't always walk into situations really evaluating that and the role that we play in it, depending on what we look like. So many times, like, you know, we're, I feel like sometimes, especially with black chefs and chefs, especially of different cultures that maybe their food's not respected as much, like, you know, we, we love Korean food. We, we really, really love um, Thai food, but we have a very, we don't love real Chinese food. We love Chinese American food. You know, it's, it is a very different thing when a Chinese chef gets on TV and they do something really outstanding and they're doing like classical Chinese food. Mm-hmm. So like, you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. I'm thinking like, like Indian a, food that you never see in, you know, or very few Indian right. chefs, real Indian chefs. Who, who, who are really, who are really honored in the way they should mm-hmm. be. So, you know, and, and it's, it's that concept. And a lot of us kind of forget kind of what they want to see on TV. Like I'm not the Neelys and um, I'm not Sunny. You know, I'm, I'm a restaurant chef. I didn't, I am very serious. I am still very yes chef. And that should not be so problematic because it's, it's okay when the white boys do it. Like it really is totally fine when they do it. Like shit, I've got the finger tattoos too. Mine just happened to be a knife, a cast iron skill, and a spoon. Tools I appreciate. 
Like we, we all have these things, but you know, it is, it is more acceptable when they have it and, and they're, they're accustomed to seeing them. And so, you know, that experience, it, it was interesting because, you know, I, I literally had not been in that white of a situation since college. And, and you know, this is not a shot at the production company at all. This is just, it was just lit a lot of ignorance and even just little comments that were made about like my hair or little things like that or wearing my scarf, just having to explain, I, like Cynthia explaining, girl, that is her scarf for her edges. Do y'all have black friends? That shit was hilarious, <laughs> you know? And even how, how certain people there talk to Cynthia, you know? I, I would have, there, there was, you know, there were just a lot of missteps there in representation that I would like to see them do better on. You know, I, I get what they did with sprinkling enough of us on there for some diversity, but it's, I shouldn't be the only black female chef up here at this point, guys. Like not on the whole, not on the whole thing. Yeah. Do you feel like they would make the same mistakes now in 2021? You know, yes. a lot of them, yes, because now it's not to be funny, but we have to be realistic here. We now know that these Trumpers are what one in five, basically. So if we're if we're talking about who's watching us on television, depending on the network, depending on the subject matter, I might now be dealing with two in five, three in five, who just implicitly are not interested in me off of these preconceived notions that they've been fed about what I am. And, you know, if they're, if, if production companies are unwilling to do the work of allowing us to shine and allowing us to be in spaces where you're not dimming our light for your main, like it, it, I find it very interesting just how many times for many of us, our light gets dimmed simply for someone else's success. Because me being successful is not good for business for you. Well, and such a big part of that is having people of color directing the conversation. Do you feel like you're seeing more uh, people in positions in production companies and so on who are like hiring talent who are, you know, it's not just the, the white production company bringing on actors and, and people of color to sort of be diverse, but actually different decision-making happening at all? I haven't seen any. I was like, it seems like everything's still the same to me. Yeah. Like, nothing said. It's not to be funny, yeah. but, you know, bring on a couple more black, bring on black talent and bring on a couple of assistants. Doth make you diverse. Like, <laughs> it, it's, it is, it's a lot of work to be diverse. And I don't say that lightly. Like, we all have our work in decolonizing. And when I say I also have to do the work of making sure the people that work with me are diverse, let's be honest here. If I put out an all-call right now, say I'm looking for an assistant, I can promise you it's mostly going to be black and brown women. Mm -hmm. I can promise you that. Yeah. Like, that's the majority of what's going to come at me because they see me as a safe space. And they're absolutely right. That being said, though, I do not have an all-black staff. Like, I, I have some of everyone. If you want to be diverse, you have to do the work of being diverse. It's like, you know, uh, the room that I met Mike in, you know, a lot of where I'm from, a lot of white people would have listened in that room for a few minutes and heard all of this very racially charged conversation because I don't remember what we were talking about that day. I do. Um, what were we talking about? It was because I was scrolling through your IG and I saw the picture of you at the Women of Weed event. And I was like, how the fuck have we never met? And you go, because nobody was paying attention to me until Black Lives Matters. And I was like, That's yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, That's word. So okay, let's dig in. Yeah. It was so interesting. And since then, you know, it, and, it's, and that's why there's not really a lot of change because like, um, you know, the, the same casting lists are going out. Like, you know, it's not to be funny, but if, you, if you're, if you like to do reality TV or the cooking show thing, once you get on one, they will send you every single other one. And it's the same casting companies. They're all the same casting companies. I have yet to see a black owned production company on one of these or have like a black producer call me or, or video me. Oh, so I took a meeting for that Netflix show that you were on because they wanted to pick my brain about what I thought would work and wouldn't work for a new cooking reality competition. And I kept trying to say that it doesn't, nobody's gonna care about weed and food. It has to be about like a couple individual people who have great personalities, who have diverse opinions to make the food 
like the feel like it's the bright light of the show and not the other way around like you need people who have opinions and uh, nobody's going to care about watching weed butter being made like that 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 show's never going to fucking work and every weed cooking competition show is never like there's never going to be a good one because we already have chopped and nobody cares about chopped with weed when you already have chopped so hearing you say (laughs) all of this just makes me further feel like that you like you with your own show where you can have these opinions and bring your people in and that highlights not only the cannabis industry in a new way but it highlights social issues that are super important and that's the type of show that should be being made in the uh in hollywood and not the other way around what i would like to happen honestly like i would like to be able to explore more food ways i think that for what for the direction that tv really needs to go in with food and if they want to make cannabis food a thing like they have to also be okay with being accountable and responsible to decolonizing these people that you have filled with all of these preconceived notions about food and those of us of different ethnicities and cultures mm-hmm. like it, it's not to be funny but a lot of let's not pretend like bon appetit didn't you know bon appetit might be flying now in new york times mag and controversy but like food network had to walk so they could fly in the shit mm-hmm. like this is not just this one sector of the entertainment food industry it's all of them like how many buzzfeed creators do we have to hear from that say they don't get paid like how many tasty people do we have to hear from that say they don't get paid like how many times do we have to continue watching all of these wonderful food videos and the and every single time I see black hands, y'all, I probably know her. It's Rose. Like, because she's like the only big time content creator and food stylist who does that. So, and I know her hands. <laughs> Funny enough, it's a good friend, but I know her hands. And I see these videos go viral. I'm like, wow, it's still just Rose. It sounds fucking exhausting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I personally think the answer is to go build your own. Yeah. It's not to be funny, but like we we have to also, and not just decolonizing food, but we have to decolonize ourselves, mm. right? A lot of times we just have this idea that we have to do this, 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 and this before we do this, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I must fill the checklist and then I will be ready for whatever this big moment is. And there's always that, the checklist will always continue growing. So I got to a point now where like, I didn't like the restaurant industry, so I started a personal chef company. It's all about the sustainability of people and food. Bam, beach all there. So now I'm like, all right, I don't like, I didn't like cannabis. So I decided to just do what I wanted to do with it. And I pulled out Mm -hmm. and I just did stuff for my friends. I did stuff for clients who know me. I did things um, on social media until it worked. The only reason weed is so big for me now is because of pandemic and the show everybody was actually inside and like it's funny because my birthday is april 20th you would think that like i would be much more sellable because i really do love the plant i love everything about it and it's funny because like even cook with cannabis they use a lot they use me a lot for their content it's so funny like i'm literally fact for fact for fact like you hear my voice throughout the show and then like a burger but what else? You know, do you guys? <laughs> yeah, but also you, the way, I mean, you're opening to, it's it's episode one, season one, if anybody wants to watch it on Netflix, and everybody should. But the first thing you said was like, you you started hitting buzzwords and keywords that everybody in the cannabis industry says, and then you burst out laughing. You're like, I'm sorry, that sounds so corny. And I immediately fell in love because I was like, this is an authentic person who cares a lot, but also is playing the game her way. Mm-hmm. We almost have to. Because there's just not, there's, I feel like this plant is like a truth teller. And I say that too, because like, dude, we all know the FBI was literally trying to develop a truth serum with all these different constraints that we love Mm -hmm. so much. So like, you know, I I love what the plant does and I do have a very real reference for it and a very real appreciation for it. And I find it very offensive when others don't. I honestly do. I find it so offensive. And I'm like, we're not all stoners that do nothing. Like, and everyone is not like in a, chronic fucking pain and fatigue like some of us are just trying to fucking breathe well like and and make it through the day that is it all of us are not like dying but cannabis is helping us just to enhance i call it an enhancing pack like it's like the expansion pack for the sims that's literally what we is expansion pack <laughs> can i ask you about that so like the the offense of you know the stoner stigma stereotype 
absolutely. But like, what do you find offensive within the cannabis community? Because there's so much that makes me mad about like the internal sort of workings of what's going on within the weed community, all the weed beef and all of the, you know, the different sort of factions. What, what to you is... What kind of beef do we have? I have no idea about the beefs. I'm so interested Teas and in beef. That. Let's spill like, some tea and cut some beef. Oh, there's so much beef. Right? I mean, right now, the biggest beef that I uh, have at the front of my mind is that there's a, a big nonprofit that is working to get prisoners uh, out of prison that has beef with other nonprofits that are trying to do the same thing because they're sort of stealing their shine. Like, it's just, you know, a bunch of like factions at odds because they're all trying to be the one that owns the narrative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that a lot in cannabis. What the fuck is with everybody who in cannabis really just want to be in the entertainment? Right. Yo, yes. If you want to be famous, bro, just say you want to be famous. Woo. Like, I just want to make this money and smoke good weed and afford to like be able to smoke a lot of really good weed. Like, yes. that's all I want to do. Meanwhile, you hoes really want to be famous. It makes no sense. Like... The, the things that kind of piss me off in the cannabis industry, that very specifically, but also the performative social justice. Like, it is, it's wild to me. Like, I don't want to hear shit about Black Lives Matter from most of the cannabis industry because we have been shouting at y'all the entire time. There's a lot of black people who did not want to see legalization very specifically because they knew people who had gone to prison over it. And they're like, we don't want to see you make any money until our people come out of prison. Yep. So, like... You know, it, it's always very interesting to me how this industry evolved from avoiding that problem and is still only kind of half-ass addressing it truthfully. And even like these incubators, it is wild to me, like how many of these people basically just had, we're all drug dealers, but basically had different clientele. And if you had the right clientele, you got moved through the, you got moved through the government and you were able now to be a rich legal man. Like, and now these people are coming out of prison and told you need to go retrain or go, what, go be a fucking California firefighter. Like, no, why, like what, what, why can't they go back to what they were doing? They've got more experience in cannabis than all of us combined. Yep. Meanwhile, though, we're now like trying to put gates on every fucking faction of cannabis. You need to be trained for this. It's $500 training for that. It's a $4,000 training for this. Oh, here's a testing site. It's like y'all have literally put so many gates on this now. Even white people can't afford it. So it's like, what do they even think is going to happen now? Like, you got to be a millionaire basically to own a dispensary. So now, you know, even MedMen's basically broke, apparently. I'm like, how the fuck does that happen? Like, you literally took over all of our favorite dispensaries. You better not fucking close. Like, yeah, it make, it's, it's very interesting. Like, I, I love that I'm seeing more black-owned um, businesses in agriculture. Like, we have Viola Brands gold standard for cbd mike tyson's shit actually is really fucking good uh the game trees are actually really good too um you know we have so many of them that are and that's great but these are all celebrities it's like you know and outside and actually all of them are not celebrities because gold standard that's not he's not a celebrity drill is a, a fourth generation farmer out of mississippi i believe and his farm now is in tennessee but you know, he is a black-owned CBD farmer, and his stuff smokes like weed. It's really great. So for people who don't want the psychoactive component, like, there are now even these wonderfully grown CBD flower options where you can still get the ritual and the smoke. And then, you know, all the cannabinoids, all that shit. So, like, it's, it, it is the idea that, too, we can only sell black people CBD now? Like, it is the weirdest fucking thing to me that we went from completely ignoring black people to only selling them CBD. Like, we have a lot to remedy. Like, there, there's a lot of, I also, the other thing that really pisses me off the most about cannabis is, is the choices that we make and how we educate and what we choose to educate on. We have, we have literally miseducated and misinformed in America purposely for so long and on racial biases too it's amazing like and so I, I would like to see the cannabis industry as they like take responsibility for decolonizing cannabis as you sell it and expand like take accountability 
for re-educating. Like it's wild to me that every brand does not have an educational component because you literally are only able to sell to how many states right now? And then the day it is able to go federally legal, like you're gonna wanna do that. And you've got a lot of new clientele that yeah, some people are just gonna buy to buy, but don't you want lifetime buyers? Like why are we not more interested in decolonizing these thoughts around cannabis? Why is it so hard to find partnership in educational components when the truth of the matter is if we have learned nothing in, in politics, like if you want to sell to black women, you'd have to, you have to educate us, bottom line. And what research has shown is if you educate us, we literally will probably take it over. My final thing that pisses me off the cannabis industry, what the fuck are cannabis influencers? Like they just get on the internet and smoke? <laughs> <laughs> it would Like yeah. we literally have the worst influencers of any industry I've ever seen. It's so frustrating. Like it makes all of us seem like stone sluts. And like I love sluts, dude. I do. I'm a slut. But Jesus Christ, man, like is this all we have to offer on cannabis content? <laughs> is that all we want to see? Is hot girl smoke and dab? Oh my god. Can you blow a ring? I don't, oh my God. Yeah. Give me something more. Fuck yeah. Because I see your face. I know you know exactly what I'm <laughs> talking about. You thought of like 10 influencers, like, I hate cannabis. <laughs> mm -hmm. What oh, do you do? It's and when you ask them about weed, they know nothing. They know nothing. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, like, can you do a gram dab? Great. I can drink 16 old fashions. Like, what is that? That's not going to get me an interview <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Listen, I think that that is a talent somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That would be a great influencer, like an alcohol influencer, and yeah. you just get bombed in 30 seconds on yeah. reels, and that's your whole vibe? I, yeah, I could drink, yeah, three bottles of wine and put my legs behind my head. <laughs> as long as you do that, just make sure titties out, it's a winner. <laughs> Oh my God, man. It's been so cool hanging and talk, talking with you. And, um, I know we have to wrap it up. So is there yeah. got oh. anything else, Mike, before we, yeah, I yeah. do have one more thing as we wrap up, if you could not only uh, plug everything you're excited about that you're up to this year and your Instagram, but can you also just share what you're vibing on to cook and snack and eat during this time? Ooh. So, you know, through quarantine, um, I am, so I actually am partnered with a food truck. Uh, School of Fish Taco out in Santa Ana. So I'm usually there uh, every other week, Thursday to Sunday. And so like, I love it over there. And I, I really enjoy food trucking. It's been really nice to like help uh, put those little standard operating procedures in place, like make things a bit more efficient, do some social media content. Like a lot of times like food truck owners aren't terrible owner operators at all. Not like restaurant owner operators, but <laughs> <laughs> they're usually like really passionate about this stuff. And it's cool because, you know, I'm able to kind of do some things with them that I just normally wouldn't get the chance to do. And so like, that's actually been a lot of fun. So I'm always out at School of Fish Taco every other week and I will actually be teaching a class coming up for um, City College of San Francisco. So that is gonna be like the biggest thing to me of the year and that drops in, um, that drops in February. Awesome. So City College of San Francisco, they have an associate's degree now in cannabis studies, and they'll be doing extension courses with me, Miguel Trinidad, and Minley Agri. And my class will be exploring and modernizing Black Southern cuisine. And it's gonna be a really cool decolonized space where tradition, culture, and cannabis intersect in the Black American South. So like we'll uh, do some infusions and we'll infuse shrimp and grits, uh, raw collard and pork belly crouton salad and uh, banana pudding. And then we'll go through the history of those. Wow. Oh, my mouth is wet. <laughs> it's going to be so fucking cool. That sounds Damn. so fucking cool. And can people still sign up for that course if they go online? Yeah, yeah. We just actually posted the link to that. And I'll send it to you guys, too. If you, um, it's like a really complicated link, but it's City College of San Francisco cannabis and it'll take if you google that it'll take you straight to that catalog and it's also um i'll put it on my site as well i think we just got the links up this week so that class is now open for sign up cool. this is like all happening like in the last like week or what? two and we'll yeah but, we'll um, put it in the show notes as well so people can go and check it out 
Yeah, that's going to be open to the public. And they're not four credit classes. These are extension courses. So they're totally open to the public. And then we'll actually end it with a panel with the three of us at the end. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, this is unreal. Yeah, <laughs> and mostly, you know, I'll just be spending my time decolonizing food ideas. Like, I'm hoping to, like, you know, do some make some really great money in 2021 so by 2022 I can have my van. Oh, see you across the country. Yeah, I really would like to be in an RV. Like that my goal is to get like one I just need one big ticket job in Q1 and I'm getting an RV to redo. That's yes. what's up. And you'll cook your way across the country? Absolutely, because I really want to travel the foodways. Like there are so many spaces where we have chosen to utilize stereotype and preconceived notions rather than really just examining them. And one of the great things about the Southern Foodways Alliance is that they, they've taken these oral histories and these oral traditions and given us so many roadmaps to go explore. But I'd like to see more of those on TV because I really think if we want to see chefs of color be able to move out in amongst the world with some success, like we're, we're gonna have to change the narrative. Like right now, we still have way too many people that think Spanish food or Mexican food and go Rick Bayless. Like that's not okay. That really isn't okay. I get it, he's got great level of respect for it. But the fact that we just don't know more is, is not okay. So I'd like to start traveling and talking directly to these people, letting them tell their stories and, and actually taking people on a ride of experiencing the food ways of America that you obviously don't know. When people say America doesn't have food culture, I'm just like, that's because you're 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 worried about the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Like you have to be okay with believing in all of America and then boom, you've got so much culture. Where can everyone follow you? Uh you can follow me everywhere at chefamanda.co. My website is www.chefamanda.co. I'm chefamanda.co on Instagram and pretty much yeah everywhere else i'm chefamanda.co but i'm mostly heavy on instagram because i just i get very i feel like facebook's not a safe place mm -mm. yeah well, i hope you'll come back uh and hang with us here on weed and grub it's like this is hell yeah everything. this is everything this is call amazing. me guys i would love to like be your unofficial co-host be like hey guys so we're bringing me in on again don't be annoyed <laughs> <laughs> She has nothing to do, because uh -huh. I don't. I have nothing to do with a podcast calls me. I'm like, I'm not busy at all for a podcast. I'm not busy. Amazing. Honest, we, we spoke for three seconds through DM, and the third comment you made was, love podcasts, would love to be on. I was like, yes, respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a podcast stand. That podcast got me through like the worst part of my career. I would listen to the read every day, and then i just start like, what is this new podcast thing? So I just Adam, 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 Adam. And literally, like, I'm able to learn about people, all these new things, concepts I've never heard of. Like, podcasts just kind of, it, it's like, I don't know. It's like having a library all the time to me of conversation. It's like, a, it's, podcasts are like the ultimate in anthropological resources. Yep. Wow. That's it. Well said. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Uh, yeah. Thank okay. you so much Thank for you. hanging with us. Bye, and, guys. Um, yeah, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. This was so rad. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye.